The Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Evolve Health. Evolve Health believes that a healthy lifestyle should be simple. That's why they created the best natural, science-driven products that are simple, clean, and great tasting. Replace your bad habits with smart choices. Replace your current spending and save money. And you can get healthier and stay healthier with Evolve. The Evolve Reboot Program is designed to help your body address inflammation and leptin sensitivity naturally with the help of their convenient, nutritious products. The products, plus their healthy eating guidelines, help the body begin to lose fat for good. And with products geared towards performance and recovery, athletes love Evolve too. With the very best part of Evolve is their social and humanitarian aspect of their business platform. The Hope Movement, powered by Evolve's Buy One, Nourish Two initiative, is changing lives around the world. For more information, please visit the website, twofitcrazies.com, and click on the podcast sponsor tab at the top of the page. Christine Conti. Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazes. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing really well. Doing awesome. Well. Awesome. What's it's new and exciting? Solid week. I'm feeling uh, almost like feeling normal. I'm feeling back to normal. Uh, you know, I worked through some kinks after the Philly Marathon in November, and I think like just last week, or you know, a couple weeks, last couple weeks, I really felt like back to my own self, which... Uh, you know, leads me to start looking at race calendars and schedules and see what I can do next. And, uh, you know, the wheels are turning. I'm feeling Back to good. your crazy self. I'm feeling good. Feeling pumped or motivated for something. I see that weird look in your eye like, what's next? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. We've got to keep this thing moving. How about yourself? I How's love it. Weather change, RA, what are we doing? What, oh, how are you geez. feeling? The weather's been crazy out here, and um, I'm excited, actually. Our guest, I'm getting ahead of myself, but our guest today is actually in beautiful weather, so we'll talk about that later. But... Um, out here, it's it's been cold, but it hasn't been consistent out on the East Coast. It's been up and down. So I know I've talked a little bit about, you know, my struggles with RA and being an athlete and, and uh, you know, really kind of being an experiment of one with food and nutrition and um, sleep and water and you name it. Um, so it's been a little up and down, a little crazy um, with the temperature swinging like 50 degrees in one day. Um, and it's done that many days, um, in the last couple months. So hanging in there. Um, but definitely the extra sleep, extra water has made a big difference. Um, my new announcement in my diet is that experiment one. Um, I've been pretty much plant based for many of you guys know, but, um, I decided I'm going to go for it and try to eliminate, um, meat from my diet. Now, you know, it's, I have a husband who's very supportive and, and cooks and gets really creative, but I'm going to try. I've had a lot of people reach out and say, what are you doing? You should do, you know what? Experimental one. We're going to see what happens. Experimental one, see what happens. And exactly that, you know, and we'll track it, right? Yeah. You're just doing things today. 
things that work, things that are doable in life, right? So it's, you know, I'm not eliminating everything and, but one thing at a time. And that's, you know, really where it, where it, uh, where it happens. So we'll, I'll report back. I'll let you know how it's going. I'm, I'm loving my beans and rice and tofu and all this other stuff. It's, it's good. I mean, it really, if you do things right, then it's going to taste good. And my kids are actually eating healthier because we're cooking healthier and they have no choice. Or they could starve. That's that's the deal. Or the kitty litter. Or it's right. not kitty litter. Kitty, cat food. <laughs> cat food is always there as well. <laughs> I think someone in California just got arrested for uh, <laughs> for that type of behavior, feeding oh. their children, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, scraps or whatnot, oh or man. feeding them at all. Oh man, I, uh, I I'm I'm definitely curious to uh, to hear what our guest has to say about diet, nutrition, and things like that. So uh, let's let's do a recap. Let's get let's figure. Okay, what, what so do we have last real fast, time? real fast. Let's um, just recap. We had the beautiful, amazing and talented Nikki Pebbles on with us. I love that name. It's so just, It was so fun. I love it. She's just so powerful and has such a great message. And, you know, really through health and fitness and wellness and empowerment, she's had a, you know, a story of her own that she's worked through and I think worked through a lot of demons and now is out to, you know, really touch other people's lives and, and inspire them just like Brian and I are hoping to do with, with two fit crazies and a microphone, getting that word out there on a much larger level of you can do this. You got this. It, it was awesome. I, I had a blast with her. I think that, um, you know, it's just that energy. You can feel it through the computer. I mean, it was like she was in the room with us, and it was it was it was fantastic. I uh, I you know I, of course I go I go deep. I'm posting the thing up on the you know posting the uh, the episode up on the internet and things like that. So I went back onto her website and I just found more and more and more and more. And it's fascinating. She's fantastic. And her message was really just don't give an f. Do you? Go for you and go with your passion, which is sometimes you got to hear that from other people every once in a while. And even I, if you truly that's what believe I felt. it. That's what I felt. I felt like th- like last yeah. week when I was doing all this stuff, like I needed to hear that, you know, because, uh, you know, like anything, we kind of we, we go through our ups and downs with, um, you know, our ambitions and, and what we're, we're shooting for. And, and I think that's only natural. But, uh, you know, last week was a week where I needed to hear it. And holy crap, I got Nikki Pebbles. Yeah, it was great. awesome. Great. And then Brian and I met this week and he was, you know, grilling me about things and there's some big things coming. So we got to keep our girl on track here. We got, yeah, there's a, but a touche. So there's a, <laughs> me too. there's a lot of uh, great stuff in the mix right now that, that is, uh, you know, hopefully going to be announced in the near future, but uh, some new projects we're, we're working on. Always. So with that said, are we ready listeners? Because we have got such a great guest today. And our guest actually was born in Brooklyn, correct? Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so here we go. Born in Brooklyn, currently living in San Diego right now in beautiful, like, 70-degree weather. It's, it's about 20 degrees here, a little windy. But um, living in San Diego right now, travels the world, and he is a decorated runner, decorated athlete, who also happened to be an Idea World Trainer of the Year, is an amazing speaker, is a amazing author of, I believe, is it eight books? That's correct. Oh, we got, I'm nailing, I'm getting, I'm getting the check marks today, all right? <laughs> and has actually created a program called Revolution Running and also Run Fit and Literally just got in from, is it Tel Aviv, I believe, Israel, and hopefully is not too uh, too jet-lagged anymore to be speaking with us today. We cannot wait, listeners, for you guys to hear from the amazing Dr. Jason Karp. So welcome. 
Uh, great to be here. It's great to talk to someone from New Jersey. I love the accent. Uh, <laughs> what accent? <laughs> yeah, the, the other people have the accent. We we talk normal. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start there. You're from you're originally from Brooklyn, right? When did you um, when did you move out of the city? Jersey when I was nine years old. Well, well, actually, my mother moved. I had to go with her. So, <laughs> and and you moved to Monmouth County, right? Marlboro, New Jersey. Marlboro, New Jersey. Yes. That's awesome. And you uh, that's where you started your running career and fascination with science and health and fitness? Yeah, I guess I have Marlboro Middle School to thank for that because that's where I started running track and then fell in love. I was placed on this yellow brick road that I'm still on all these years later. Amazing. So now, how did we get from Marlboro Middle School, Jason Carp, to... Dr. Jason Karp, who's really traveling the world, inspiring people, um, a book that literally all over you mention your name. And wait, it, didn't he write, isn't that that inner runner book? I read that. That was great. Isn't there a couple other? I mean, it's a real fascinating story. And that's the, that's the real details that we want to talk about today with you because we want to know what is that? What was that? Why? How did you, how did you get so fascinated? Because, you know, both Brian and I either, you know, ran or did sports or athletics, but um, you really caught that that passion. And there's got to be what what was it that really propelled you to say this is this is my passion. I want to run. I love this. I want to inspire other people. So what was it? Yeah, it started. Well, it started in sixth grade. So you know, when I started running track, I became very interested right away in what makes one person run faster than another or be able to jump farther than another. And so I started thinking very early on, you know, what was behind that? What, what enables some people to run fast or jump far? And, and so when I got to high school, you know, I started looking more deeply into this and, you know, just through my own running, thinking, trying to figure out how I could get faster and then just watching other people run. And, uh, yeah, so I was, you know, I've always been interested in the Olympics. The Olympics have always been like my favorite thing to watch and, I watch every single minute of NBC's coverage of both the Winter and Summer Olympics. I grew up with that, and, you know, and I wanted to be an Olympian when I was a kid. That was my dream, and unfortunately, I discovered pretty early on that I didn't have that kind of talent then to get that far, but I've always been very interested in, in elite athletic performance, and so I was very particular about where I went to college because I wanted to study under the best because I wanted to be the best. And I wanted to go where I where I could get the best education. So it's actually a, kind of an interesting story. I don't know how much time we have, but it was actually a story behind where I went to school, why I chose the schools I did, and, and how I got placed on this yellow brick road. Let's hear it. Well, my junior year of high school, I was at Marlboro High School, and my junior year, NBC News did a, a TV special on African-American athletes and why they seem to be better at at sprinting and jumping and those kinds of sports. And one of the scientists on that news special was a Gideon Ariel, who was an Olympian from Israel in the shot put and discus. And he had a PhD in biomechanics, and he owned his own biomechanics software company out in Southern California. It just so happens that I live in Southern California now. But at the time, you know, in New Jersey, I, I found out about this guy, and he was in like the, 19, in the Olympics in the 1950s. And uh, a lot of 
people around the country use this biomechanics software to do digitize and come up with the 3D animations and study athletic performance. And so he was well known just because of, of the, uh, the company he had founded and, and all the software. And my mother knew how much I was interested in this field. So she said, you know, you should give him a call and talk to him. And so I did. This was before the days of the Internet. I had to use the yellow pages to find this guy. But uh, he was out, I think it was in Tribuco Canyon, California. That's where his, his biomechanics lab was. And so I found him, and I called him. And I told him that you know, I saw you on, on TV, and this is exactly the field I want to pursue. Where should I go to college? First words out of his mouth were Penn State. Wow. Okay. And so I visited Penn State, applied to a lot of other schools, but after visiting, you know, he was right. I mean, Penn State has a fantastic program for biomechanics and exercise science. They've actually graduated more PhDs in biomechanics than anywhere else in the country. And so they had a lot of top guys there. There was one guy studied under who was from the former Soviet Union, and now he's the, the director of the biomechanics lab there at Penn State, but he was a professor when I was there. And, and I had a work-study grant my freshman year at Penn State, and so I used that grant to get a job in the sport biomechanics laboratory. And so even from my freshman year, I was surrounded by all these graduate students who were doing their research, and I was, I was like their little lackey. I was helping them with their research studies and doing some digitizing on the computer. And my senior year at Penn State, the American Society of Biomechanics Conference that year was being held at Ohio State, which is only a six-hour drive from Penn State. So I went with all the grad students. We hopped into a van, took a road trip out to Columbus, Ohio, and went to the American Society of Biomechanics Conference. And this was my senior year. And at the conference, just like at all these conferences, they always have a banquet. And at the banquet, who was there but the, the guy from Israel, the Olympian, who I had called when I was in high school. Nice. So I go up to Dr. Gideon Ariel, and I said to him, you probably don't remember me, but when I was in high school, I called you and asked you where I should go to college. And now I'm getting ready to go to grad school. Where should I go? <laughs> he said, either stay where you are at Penn State or go to University of Calgary. And I had known about Calgary because I'm a big Olympic fan. I watch all the Olympics. Calgary had you know, hosted the 1988 Winter Olympics. Of course. It's sometime after. This was you know, 1994, 95 already. I graduated Penn State in 1995. So this was sometime after the Olympics. But... But I never thought about going out of the country to go to school. That was the furthest thing from my mind. And so I applied to a bunch of other schools again, and one by one I eliminated them. I visited Calgary, and when I saw the Olympic rings hanging from the ceiling of the, the physical education building where the lab is and all the sports medicine center, I, I said, I can't, give, you know, I can't pass up this opportunity. It's too good of an opportunity to pass up. So even though it's frigidly cold there, you think New Jersey is cold, and you know, Calgary is uh, below zero every single day, and uh, it was absolutely frigid there, but, but I made the decision to go to school there because the university sits on the Olympic Training Center, and the, 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 the campus was actually the Olympic Village during the time of the 88 Winter Olympics, and so all the athletes lived. So I lived in the, the dorms right where the, the athletes lived when they were competing, and I was a stone's throw from the Olympic speed skating oval. And at the time, Calgary was the only indoor speed skating oval at altitude in North America. You know, now there's, you know, we have, well, now there's Vancouver, which is at sea level, Salt Lake City, which is at altitude. But at the time that I was there, a lot of people from around the world, a lot of speed skaters from around the world came to Calgary to train. And so it was a great environment to be in, to study sport in the light of science. And so it was a great opportunity to go there. 
So that's how I chose you know, my first two schools. And then for the PhD, I made the decision a little differently because you have to go to where the, the researchers are who are studying what you want to study. And so I made my decision not based on the schools, but based on the people I could study under. And so I ended up doing my PhD at Indiana University and, and did my dissertation research at the University of New Mexico under a really uh, great guy who did his PhD under David Costell, which uh, for some of your listeners, if they follow the field of exercise physiology, David Costell probably the biggest name in the field, and he's been retired for quite some time now, but, but one of the guys that I studied under, studied under him, so that also was a great opportunity. Wow, that was quite the, um, the circle of, uh, of wow, I, I mean, getting that, getting that information to, and then deciding, hey, yeah, I'm going to go to Penn State, which is just a fantastic, obviously, sports school. Anyway, I used to go, every Memorial Day weekend, they had the, the volleyball you know, East Coast championships, and we would go stay there, and it was amazing. But from your story to Penn State to get to Calgary, I can't imagine what that must have been like with you and your obsession with the Olympics to then see those rings. It must have been, did you get chills? That's really what sold me is, you know, I, I passed by the Olympic rings every day going to the lab and going to class. And that's really what sold me on Calgary. It was uh, such a unique opportunity to be able to, to study sport at the highest level. We had elite athletes in the lab all the time. That's and amazing. My advisor, who, I mean, he's still there. I mean, he was fantastic. A few years after I graduated from Calgary, he won the, the Borelli Award, which is the top award in the field of, of biomechanics. And so um, he was a great guy to study under. Now, let me ask you this. What did you do? And this is me because I'm, I'm a secret nerd. And what was your, um, what was your PhD um, study? What was your dissertation on? Uh, well, the PhD is in exercise physiology. Okay. And the dissertation was on the, the coordination of breathing and stride rate in runners. Okay. Yes. You take runners who are not trained. They don't coordinate their breathing and their stride. Right. But then consciously, the two rhythms start to become coordinated, that the rhythm of our legs entrains the rhythm of our breathing. It happens a lot in four-legged animals because of the tight constraints of how their front two limbs move. It assists the movement of the chest cavity. In humans, it's not as tightly coupled because there's more anatomical separation between our legs moving and our chest cavity moving. But it still happens, this coordination, but it seems to be something that happens through training, like your body tries to become more economical by coordinating these two rhythms. It's pretty fascinating. Absolutely. I, I always say, people ask me if I listen to music when I run, and uh, I tell them no because I'm too busy listening. You know, foot strike, breath, and, and, uh, and, and that symphony that we can make with, with those two things. It's, uh, I, I, that's awesome. I'm, that's cool. And then you can control too. I mean, you can force your breathing to be entrained to your to the movements of your your legs, but you don't have to. It's something that that seems to just happen naturally, which is an interesting phenomenon because our bodies are always trying to become more economical. Economical for your viewers, it means that the, you consume less oxygen to maintain a given speed. That's why running is such a great way to lose weight because losing weight is also improves economy. You have to cost less oxygen to move a lighter weight than a heavier weight. And so that's one of the main reasons why running is such a great exercise to lose weight compared to other workouts, compared to other types of exercise. Tell, tell us more about that because I think that that would be of interest to our, to our listeners, just the exact reason what makes running. You just actually explained it, but a little bit more. Why, why is running the best uh, exercise to do for weight loss? Well, there's a few. I mean, running sometimes gets a bad rap because you know, people underestimate how many calories that they're 
eating and they overestimate how many calories that they're burning. So running tends to get a bad rap because a lot of people run, they say, I'm not losing weight. Well, running itself is a fantastic way to lose weight. It's just that you can't keep replacing the calories because then you can't go run 10 miles and think that you deserve a big pancake breakfast because then you're just going to put the calories right back and you're not going to lose weight. But number one, it's dangerous on a body to be a heavy runner. Unlike swimming or cycling, you can get away with being a, an overweight you know, swimmer. You can get away with being an overweight cyclist. It's not damaging. But to be an overweight runner is damaging to your joints. And so your body is going to try to shed weight to protect itself from that damage. So that's one reason why running is better than other workouts, other exercises. The other reason is because running is not just all body Every time you land on the ground, you're putting two to three times your body weight on each leg. So there's a huge demand for you know, muscle contraction, the work of the muscles, it's a whole body, and so it burns more calories than anything else. The only activity that, that burns more calories that you consume more oxygen is cross-country skiing, which people will get to see soon because the Olympics are coming up in a few weeks. It'll be pretty exciting. The best endurance athletes on the planet are cross-country skiers. They have the highest VO2 max values, and distance runners are, that's the second most highest oxygen consumption, the second best calorie burn. But because running is accessible to everyone in the world on any day of the year, that's why it makes it better than cross-country skiing, because how many people can just step outside their front door and start cross-country skiing? Not in San most, Diego, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Most people in the world don't have access to cross-country skiing, but every single human can run. I mean, running is a part of our DNA. The only equipment you need are sneakers, and those are optional. Right. There are plenty of people around the world who don't even run shoes. That's right. So now talk to me about, you were just saying, about running and it's the best and and shedding pounds and whatnot. So how do you go about then telling someone, I know our, our listeners are, you know, a lot of people are into fitness and whatnot, and, and really we try and inspire them to get moving. What do you tell people who are those people who are a little bit overweight, right? And you're saying, let's get running. And, and you hear it, you know, people say, I can't run my, my knees. I don't want to run. It's bad for you. Like you you are putting, you know, extra body weight on each leg. So where do we start? Where do you start with that? What would you tell someone? Well, first I tell them you got to start with their head. I mean, they got to think differently about this. And then second, then the physical act comes second. So the head's got to come first. This is something you got to want to do. You got to want to step out the front door and start this. And then once you get past that, and then this is your goal and this is what you want to do, then you take action. And then the action can be just starting to walk. It doesn't have to be a run right away. And so, like I say in one of my books, When You're Fat Off, I talk about how to start running because mm -hmm. it's intimidating to people. Right. And so with walking five minutes and running for one minute and then run, walking for five minutes and running for one minute and do that for 30 minutes. And then over time, as your body adapts, you'll be able to walk less and run more. And that's how you start running. It's really as simple as that. You just open up your front door and start walking. And then every five minutes, stop and start running for 60 seconds. Most people can handle running for 60 seconds. Or even if it's 30 seconds, whatever it is, just start, you know, you just find your starting point and start from there and then add the, the rest of the minutes by walking. And then over time, you'll be able to walk less and run more. And before you know it, you're running for 30 minutes without stopping. It may happen over a matter of months, but it happens. I, I love that. That's exactly, you know, how I shape things for people when they're beginning and they're, or they're, you know, and they, and, and the problem is, like you said, it's, it, oftentimes it's in their head. They may, they have this, 
terrible memory maybe of a horrible gym class that they went through where they made them run or they you know they forget about being a kid and uh they forget about you know the fun that it could be and uh you know and they think it's boring i always say uh you know people say running's boring i said well not how i do it you know that's uh it's, it's it's quite fun the way that i do it and uh you know but it's great i i tell them all the time you know we can walk for like you said walk for 5 minutes run for one you know and then before you know it you're you're uh, you're moving a little bit differently and and your body's adapting and you can really engage into it and maybe their head at that point is is uh feeling a little bit better about things um you know it's that 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 natural progression we just kind of have to get them moving so that they can experience the fun of it right people always stop before the effort becomes effortless running is so effortful in the beginning when they're out of shape and especially when they're overweight and then they give up and they never get to that point where the effort becomes effortless and then you can go outside and just start running and thinking about other things and you're not thinking of the physical act of it it's funny. People I th- tend to forget that that running is the best expression of ourselves as human beings. We're animals first, and people tend to forget that all animals run, all mammals run. That's that's what we're built to do. That's how we evolved. And I believe that running is the best expression of that physicality as animals. Absolutely, and I think that people forget that anything that you pick up is going to be effortful when you first start. Whether it's running or with me, swimming. My friends would tell me I just started last year swimming for, you know, my crazy Ironman that's coming up. But they kept saying to me, Christine, eventually you're going to get to a point where you start thinking about other things. You're thinking about music that maybe, you know, you're singing lyrics. You're thinking about shopping or this or that. And you just forget and you just do it. And I think that that's something that's really important that you said about Going out there and, and doing it in little milestones, taking little steps, little baby steps to eventually get out there and run where you do it, I'm sure, and Brian and I, where you just, you're like, what just happened the last 15 minutes? Wait, did I just run two miles? Or what, Am I alive? You, you, you really let your mind wander and it becomes such a euphoric experience and, you know, it's it's wonderful to, to have you to kind of express that to everyone, that it does take time. It's not always effortless. And even when we are running, it, it does take effort, but it becomes something greater than, than just the act of running. Um, and that's something I think you start to encapsulate in your, your books. And I know um, The Inner Runner has been a huge success for you. And where did you... Where did you start getting inspired to to write, to come up with even The Inner Runner? What's the story behind that? That also started when I was a kid, that uh, I was not only interested in the science of athletic performance, but I was also interested in the philosophy. I mean, you'll appreciate this being in New Jersey, that I I grew up reading George Sheehan's books. And I was lucky enough to to meet George Sheehan. He had his uh, medical offices in Red Bank, and now there's a race named after him there. Of course. I ran. So, I ran next to Doc at Lake Tack when I was uh, Lake Tackanasi when I was you know nine ten years old. Yeah, and so I, I grew up reading his book. You know, he had the Common Runners World, and I've read a number of his books, and and, uh, and that's kind of what uh, catapulted me into this. Is that you know because I believe that running is is more than just about the science. It's it's also you know, gives us this chance to, to narrow the gap between who we are and who we want to be. There are very few moments in life where, you know, especially when you run a hard workout or you run a race, 
there are very few other times in life where you're presented with this question of what am I going to do right now? Am I going to back off from the discomfort to make it feel more comfortable? Or am I going to push through that discomfort to find out what's on the other side? And running allows that for you, and it's very definitive. It's right now. You've got to make a decision right now what you're going to do. When someone comes up on your shoulder in a race, do you let them pass you, or do you try to go with them? You can make that decision right now. And there's no other time in your life where you're faced with that, that decisive moment that you get when you run. And I love those things about running. That it, just, it gives us a chance to try. You can always decide at any moment on any run you're going to run longer, you're going to run faster, and it's a great way to challenge yourself to become who you want to be. I love that. I love it. I think it's so powerful because Brian and I talk all the time about how when we go out and run, that's when we do our best thinking. I mean, if you can't solve the world's problems when you run a marathon, really, like, <laughs> you, you got nothing. But it's that, the, the clarity that comes from that, from breathing. And I always say, it's just you. When you're racing, there is nothing else going on in life. It is you against you. And you have that time of reflection and you have to really think to yourself, this is, this is me. This is who I am. I'm owning this. There's no one else there helping you. And I love the fact that you describe that as it's, you make that decision right there and then. And I think what you're saying has a much greater, message than just in a race because we all know you know life is a race they talk about is it just a sprint or a marathon or whatnot but really that's that's such a big huge component and you talked about let's start with running let's start with your head are you ready for this do you embrace it do you want to do it and once you say yes then you start making those small steps and you had said as well that you know this is then you start making other decisions do i push do i hold back how do i feel what is your breaking point? And I'm sure that I know Brian and I have had this where maybe we pushed a little bit too hard and that was, mm, maybe that was too much. Or sometimes you need those days. It, and sometimes you didn't push hard enough and you, you know, I've finished races where I'm like, damn it. Like I should have, mm, I, you know, um, I think that's important for people to understand and, and it's okay wherever you're at, but there's such a bigger message in running than just, Oh, is it just for fitness? Is it just, you're not going to, if you're just running to lose a couple pounds, that it's not going to be forever. I don't think it's going to have the longevity as if you realize there's a, there's a community. There's a, there's something that makes me feel a certain way, whether it's, you know, hormones or whatever you're getting into your adrenaline and whatnot. But it's just, you know, I, I, I always put it like running, running didn't save my life, but it gave me one. You know, it gave me everything that I've really wanted and done and everything that I've done in health and everything that my perspective on, on everything, it, it all comes from running, even if it's just my morning run. Uh, Doc, to give you some perspective on my background, I, uh, you know, I, I ran as a kid. My, my father had a heart condition, uh, as I know that your father did as well. My father had a heart condition. He had a heart attack in 1982. And he was 37 years old. I was a baby, you know, I was a kid. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, 82. I was seven years old. So uh, he, re in the effort to regain his health, he introduced us all to his sport of choice growing up as a child, which was cross country and running. And, uh, you know, we had the Catholic school. 
running events and cross country and Homedale Park and Ocean County Park. And I did all that stuff around here. As I mentioned, Lake Takanasi. I did all these things, uh, you know, into support of, of him and his, uh, you know, an attempt to regain his health. Unfortunately, his damage was done. He, uh, lost, he died in 1987 at age 41 of a heart attack. Um, my mom was running marathons at the time. She continued to, to run, uh, marathons, uh, you know, or, you know, and local races. Uh, she ran a, you know, a couple New Yorks, um, or I'm sorry, a couple marathons, one New York. So after he passed away, we all kind of lost our way. All of us, the whole family did. Um, I eventually went into high school, um, was going to run cross country. And on the very first day of school, I said, you know what? I'm going to play soccer instead. And I ended up playing soccer for four years and I ended up playing lacrosse and I ended up doing, uh, you know, I was active. I was playing sports. I played a ton of basketball, never, um, for the school, but I always played, you know, CYO and, and pick up and all those things. And, uh, after that, you know, I went to college and, uh, you know, and, and was always active, climbed mountains, did all sorts of act activities and things like that. But I had gotten away from running, but it was introduced to me at such a young age and I had, you know, a love for it. Anytime I tried to kind of put my life together or kind of get things together, I needed to, you know, I would go for, I would kind of run, um, you know, college years were down and dirty. I got, I was, uh, I was an animal and, uh, you know, and I drank a lot and I drank a lot after college and, you know, it got to a point where, um, drinking was a problem in my life. And when I put that down, running was there for me and running that thing that my dad did to try and, in, you know, become more active in his life, you know, that he taught me at that time now became kind of my crutch or something to lean on or saving grace or whatever, um, you know, that I could do this thing to get me through some hard times as well. And I haven't stopped. I mean, it's been uh, 10 really solid years of, of pretty good running and, uh, you know, and I love it. It's become everything that I'm passionate about. I love training. I love coaching. I love running marathons. I love train, you know, just training other people to kind of, like you said, enjoy those, those really, uh, you know, good, good times and, and get those medals around their neck and see the smiles on people's faces. Even if it's a mother running her first 5k that I've helped out, it's, it's amazing to me. So it's become my love. It's become my passion. Um, like I said, it didn't save my life, but it definitely gave me, uh, my life. And, uh, so, you know, if you can kind of see that, emotion that I have with the sport and everything that I've done, uh, you know, and, and, and just how much joy it brings me. Um, you know, I, I definitely felt all of that when reading your book, um, because I think that it's, you know, you, you nailed it. I mean, in so many ways, uh, discussing the health of your family, discussing, um, you know, the, you know, the science of it all and how it affects us psychologically, how it affects us in our bodies and how it affects us all across the charts. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there to you because I, I definitely appreciate and I can relate 100% to a lot of the things that you put in that book. Well, thank you. It's always nice to know that, uh, you know, when you, you know, writing just like running is a solitary process. And so it's nice to know that, that my words can, can affect other people in that way. I appreciate that a lot. It's the truth. I mean, we, you know, we, we always, I always say we're connected in so many ways and we're not that uncommon as creatures, you know, we've got these creatures. So there's a good chance that if you're feeling something, I'm also feeling it too. And as, you know, as a runner and as this community, like Christine said, it kind of 
brings it down and it brings it into a you know a finer you know fishbowl almost of of we're all kind of feeling these same things and uh like i said you nailed it it was perfect thank you very much you're welcome so i have a uh, i have a question so you um now with some of the books that you have written one of the things that you do and is again like Brian was saying there are a lot of a lot of things that you are writing we are relating to um you know in our own journeys in life and our own ups and downs and whatever we've been through and and running you know sometimes people say why do you run are you running away from your problems and you're like no actually when i'm running you're facing your problems you're actually thinking about who you are and what direction you're going in in life and why you're doing things and you um go out and you give lectures and you do certifications now based off of a lot of the work you've compiled your entire life and your passions and, um, you know, whether it's the science based or the, you know, kind of the mental aspect of running as well. What, um, what kind of lectures do you give? What do you go out and really, really speak about? What is your, what is your passion when you go out and lecture now? Well, it depends on the audience. So I speak in pretty much three different audiences. One is the fitness industry conferences. So I'm speaking to fitness professionals like yourself, trainers, group fitness instructors. Then I also speak at a lot of track and field and cross-country coaching clinics. So then I'm more technical because we're talking about things like training and designing the training programs mm-hmm. and the physiology of training and speaking directly to coaches. And then with my certification program, it's uh, kind of a mix of everyone. It's runners, it's coaches, it's personal trainers, it's anyone who wants to be certified to help others run. So I get a mix of people from different industries for the certification courses. Now talk to talk to us and talk to our listeners about what are you going to get when you get certified. Now this is... Um, You've came up with two different, you're the creator of two different programs. Is that correct? So Revolution Running is one of them, right? And RunFit. Can you talk about those two and what, what that entails and how, what, what, what are we, what are we getting from that? I guess the trainers and people that you're certifying, what can they learn from it and then go out and do? Yeah. Well, yeah. RunFit is my company. So that's when okay. I first started in the private coaching and, mm-hmm. and everything. All the entrepreneurial things I do, it's all housed under RunFit. And then Revolution Running is the certification program that it's just an extension of RunFit. And so that's why I created a new website at the tail end of last year about that. And so the certification program is somewhat separate from the rest of my business, but it, you know everything goes together. It's all about the same topics. So uh, the, what people will get from the certification program is you know, the nuts and bolts of it you'll get the, the educational component, so you get the, all the manuals, and if you do a live course, you also get a funny instructor, and uh, you learn all about running. You learn all about the physiology, you learn about the training, the workouts, running for weight loss, running technique. I tried to come up with a, a very thorough course that touches on all aspects of what a trainer or a coach would need to know in order to help other people run. And so there's many things a person can do with the certification you can coach other people to run you know, because running is so mainstream and people, so many people are running half marathons and marathons these days, but a lot of them are just doing things on their own. They don't have anywhere to go for help. So that's one aspect of it. The other is to teach these group treadmill classes inside of a gym. You know, Just like someone gets a spinning certification to teach spinning classes, you can get my certification to teach the, the group treadmill interval classes. 
And then, Jim, there's also lots of programming ideas that, that gyms can pursue. They can do group training. You know, gyms can start, you know, they can come up with a six-month marathon training program for their members who want to run a marathon. And then the, the group is run by people who have the certification. So there's many different avenues that, you know, there's many different things that you could do with the certification because of how popular and mainstream running is and how effective it is for weight loss. There's many different programs that can grow out of the certification. So I have two questions for you. Number one, who is the um, funny person that you send to each <laughs> certification? Well, it's hard to. <laughs> you know, I've, been, I've been doing this for a long time, so my jokes are pretty sharp. So, uh, for now, I guess I'm the funny one. But you you set yourself have, up for that. Yeah. My hope is to have a whole team of master trainers <laughs> like yourself who uh, can be just as funny and just as entertaining and just as educational so that people can learn not just from me, but from a lot of other people as well. Excellent. All right. My second question is this. What do you think the biggest issue is when people try and coach runners? Because you're, you're out there. I personally think this is very important as a trainer, as someone who running is something that is very, it's instinctual. It's, we are beings. We are, you know, the cavemen were running away from danger and running to get their food. It's different now. And it's something that our bodies should do. We should be moving. Um, I think that every personal trainer out there and every fitness instructor should have a some sort of running certification or something behind them, some knowledge of running. And without that, I think there's a lot of dangerous practices. I think a lot of people are giving poor advice to people. Um, what is something that you've seen that is, I guess, maybe a pet peeve or something that is really being taught incorrectly out there um, by, by trainers maybe? Well, oh, there's a lot. You could spend a whole hour just on this. Give us your so top. But, uh, yeah, I agree with what you just said completely because, as I always say, when you become a running expert, you become a fitness expert. So even trainers who don't necessarily have clients who are training to run could all benefit from studying running. And I always use the analogy, you know, if you walk onto a college campus and go visit the athletic team, every sports team has their sports coach and then they have strength and conditioning coaches who work on the strength conditioning of the athletes. But when you go and check out the cross-country and track team, it's the, the head coach who is also the strength and conditioning. A cross-country team doesn't work with a separate strength and conditioning coach because that's the coach's job, because that's what running is all about. It's all about conditioning. And so when you study running, you don't just become a running expert, you become a fitness expert because running is all about fitness and physiology. And so every personal trainer should get the certification just for that reason alone, you know, if they're interested in becoming a fitness expert, you study running. I mean, track coaches can teach you. Know, I've always thought that, that people in the fitness industry can learn a lot from track and field coaches because that's the job of a track coach. You make somebody faster, you have to target specific aspects of their physiology in order to make them faster. So to answer your question, one of the, the major things that people you know, do incorrectly or you know, kind of like what you said, that because running is so instinctual, People think that, well, it's just running. How much do I need to know? But it's all science. It's all physiology. It's all biochemistry. You know, there's, there's specific ways to do workouts to get the best result. There's a lot more involved in running than people want to recognize. And so I see people training wrong all the time. They have no idea how to do a workout correctly. 
They don't know that when it's time to run slow, you got to run slow, so that when it's time to run fast, you run fast. They have no idea how to target specific physiological factors. They have no idea how adaptation occurs and how to use that to your advantage when you train. People have no idea. It's unfortunate. I get very upset about the coach in me gets very upset about this because I see so much wasted potential. I see so much wasted talent of runners who could be so much better if they would just take the time to learn how to train properly or hire somebody who can teach them how to train properly. Every time I consult with people to run, I find myself saying the exact same things over and over and over again. I feel like I should just record myself and just play the record <laughs> the record button so people can hear it over and over again because I, I see the same mistakes happening all the time, especially now with social media. People are always posting their workouts on social media, and I always want to jump in and say, you know, if you did the workout this way, it would be a much better workout. But people think that they know what they're doing because it's just running, they have, you know, and yet they're so far away from where they could be. You know, doctor, I see that so much uh, on the high school level where you might have coaches who aren't necessarily runners or maybe they're filling in, you know, at a position or maybe they even do run some, but they don't, uh, you know, necessarily understand it. And I just see it so much. And I, and it's just no, it's, there's just no mystery. I mean, the, the, the schools with the really good running coaches are always really good. Uh, you know, they, they know how to get their kids in shape and they use the science of running and, and, uh, and get them in order. But uh, I just think that even, you know, especially in some of the public schools, you don't necessarily have, uh, you know, the coaches just don't have the wherewithal to get the kids to run very well. Or, you know, or, or like you said, even if it's a workout or running on the easy days, just too hard. Uh, that that's the one thing that I always deal with, and I always and I always say, you know, that they the people running too hard on their easy days. If I can get them just to do that uh, as a very first step, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I can make some headway with it. Um, so I yeah I I agree with you one thousand percent on everything. It's like you hit all the bullet points. It's amazing. I see it too with that. I mean, I've coached high school as well. I see it among high school runners, and it's a combination of just what you said with the coaches. They don't necessarily know what they're doing. And the fact that there's so much emphasis on racing. I remember when I was in high school in New Jersey, you know, we were running cross country, then indoor track, then outdoor track, all this racing. And so the aerobic development gets sacrificed. It's hard to just run a lot of miles per week when you're always getting ready for upcoming races because you're not going to run that much the day before, two days before a track meet or a cross country race. And there's so many of those races. All you do is string together all these races all school year long, and so the aerobic development gets sacrificed. There's so much emphasis on racing and speed work, and that kills these runners. And that's not the way to train if your goal is to be the best runner you can be. I have a, I have a friend of uh, you know a kid that that is uh, I'm friends with the family, and he's a you know he's a pretty good high school runner around here. And he uh, you know I you know he swims in the winter. He doesn't run winter track, and I said that's the greatest thing. I said it just gives him that break where, you know, he's not running thousands upon thousands of miles, you know, as a high school kid each year. And he, and he's he's very good. He's a, you know, he's a 420 miler, 426 miler last year as a sophomore. So he's got some chops. And, uh, you know, it's good that he just kind of takes that break and just gets away from it. He still runs. You know, he still does long runs on Sundays and he supplements, you know, the the – the, he uses the running to supplement the swimming now, and you know, as he kind of did, and you know, the, throughout the summer, he does the opposite, and it's uh, it works really well for him. And I just think it gives him that break mentally too. Oh sure, especially from all the racing. Yeah, it's, 
it's hard to be at the top of your game physically and psychologically for that long a period of time. And because they're on the East Coast, there's three seasons of competition. You know, out here in California, the kids have it a little bit easier because they don't really have indoor track out here. Right. They don't compete in indoor track. And so they get a longer break between cross-country and outdoor track seasons, so they have more time to just spend on the aerobic development and just do easy miles. But on the East Coast, like where I was growing up, where you guys are, we were still racing throughout indoor track season. You never get a break. Yeah, and it's just how how much can you peak? You know, what, how much can you possibly peak? I mean, this, the 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 workout load has to be designed so that you're you're peaking, whether it's for you know meet a champs in 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 cross country or you know those late season races in cross country, and then you're going to do it again, and then you're going to do it again for outdoors. It just it doesn't it doesn't always add up. It just sometimes leads to uh, to a lot of uh, you know just a lot of frustration I think is what I see you know burnout too but you know frustration why aren't these kids getting better he should be better he did this as a sophomore he should be doing this as a junior you know it's it's one of those things that I see a lot right and that comes down to the coach the coach has to be wise enough to to put the athlete's best interest first and figure out what's the best way to train their team to get the best result when it counts the most okay Here's my idea. Here's here's what I keep... I'm sitting back here. All that keeps going on in my head right now is how do we get these high school coaches and these collegiate coaches to get certified? That is the key. That is the question. Because every single thing that you just said circles back to teaching, right? You teach the youth who teaches the youth. It's the coaches, whether it's middle school or high school or college, that should be something that is in the forefront of what's going on right now, because we create runners, safe runners that are younger. They're going to take this with them throughout their life. They're going to be safe. This is about longevity. This is fitness. And those kids are going to then become adults and then be coaches and pass it on. It's a circle. So it seems like right now, we got to start. We got to somehow ignite the fire in these coaches, in these fitness, you know, not just fitness professionals, because sometimes they're only working with people that are adults. And, you know, let's face it, adults sometimes are, they want to be good at things now. And I fall into this category and type A, you know, you want it, you feel like you should be good at things because you're older and you have life experience, but anything you pick up, you're never good at something until you really practice and put it into motion. So it seems like that's something we're going to have to think about. That's something I'm, you know, I think coaches really need this and I think it's really important. So that, uh, that's big out there. So coaches, everyone out there, I think this is, uh, this is something that you may need to look into. So super, super important. I agree completely. Doctor, I have a question for you. Take us through your thoughts or your your opinions or your your you know your expertise on uh on nutrition both fueling running uh and also with weight loss i know that that's you know such a big part of your program it's definitely something that i'm interested in and that's how i train i'd, I'd rather train the person who's uh you know starting out or, or you know even in my personal training um you know my philosophies there i'd rather train uh you know someone who's looking to regain health than somebody who is looking to uh achieve the tip top uh you know pinnacle of sport uh what are your thoughts on nutrition what do you where do you stand on on that oh your listeners are gonna love my opinions on this one yeah i've seen that youtube video that's been going around on, on this one so hit us with it i really think we make too much of nutrition 
Nutrition is important, but the exercise component is much more important. And that's not where the media places their attention. They always place their attention on this diet or that diet. It's all about how you eat. And so if you want a quick summary of what the research shows, the research shows that initially, to lose, if we're talking about weight loss, initially cutting the calories is more important than the exercise because you can affect your body weight more quickly, more easily, just by cutting calories. So if you can figure out a way to cut three, four, five hundred calories out of your day by stopping drinking all the, the junk, the sodas and the frappuccinos at Starbucks, and you just cut all that out. That's an easy way to cut out a few hundred calories. So initially, to lose weight, nutrition is more important. But then for the rest of your life, to keep the weight off, the exercise is more important. There's plenty of research to show that the more people run, the lower their body mass index, the lower their waist circumference, and the less they weigh. And the more people decrease how much they run over the years, the more weight they put on, the higher their BMI, the higher their waist circumference. How much weight is on your body is closely linked to how much registry, which are people with, to be in that registry, you have to have lost a certain percentage of your body weight and have kept it off for a certain number of years to be included in this registry. And if you look at the data from that registry, we know the habits of what people are doing. We know how many calories they're consuming every day. We know how much exercise they're doing every day. They're exercising every single day. And so we already know what works. That's why it's amazing to me when these fad diets come out and people say, oh, it's revolutionary and blah, 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 and that's a bunch of baloney. We already know exactly what works because we have the research to back it up. And then the other thing that the research shows is that the exact combination of macronutrients doesn't matter nearly as much as the total number of calories you consume. So whether it's low carb or high carb, high protein, low protein, high fat, low fat, is not nearly as important as the total number of calories. And what matters is the caloric reduction. And so if you're burning more calories than you're consuming, regardless of whether those calories are carbohydrate, fat, or protein, you're still going to lose weight. Okay. And, and uh, so let me ask you this. When you say less calories – are you we can eat we can consume less calories and that doesn't necessarily mean eating less food right it just kind of would mean like you said eliminating some of the processed things the the, the sugary uh, you know drinks and snacks and you know and some of the garbage all the garbage right, because we, when you reduce calories you don't want to reduce the nutrition so right. the meals have to be nutrient dense you don't want to be lacking in vitamin C or vitamin D so when you cut the calories, you've got to make sure you're not also sacrificing the nutrients because that's important, especially to be able to run every day or even a few times a week. You need, the, you need to at least meet the RDA for all these nutrients. So your meals have to be nutrient-dense but lower in calories. So if you're used to eating 2,500 calories a day and now you're eating 1,800 calories a day and you're exercising, I guarantee you you're going to lose weight regardless of the composition of your diet. In fact, in my book, Run Your Fat Off, I, you know, I frame each chapter with a story. And one of the stories I tell of this uh, professor at Kansas State University who, for a class project, went, went on to become known as the Twinkie Diet. He had to lose weight himself. He was a runner in college, and then he became a professor, and he gained weight. And he needed to lose weight himself. And so he went on this Twinkie Diet. He ate Twinkies and Ding Dongs and all this junk food, but he limited himself to only 1,800 calories a day and tried to be under 1,600 and he did this for 10 weeks, and he lost a lot of weight, and his triglyceride levels came down. His blood lipid profile improved because that's what happens when you lose weight. Your blood lipid profile improves. So by all measures that he tested, he got healthier, and he lost weight, even though everything he was eating was junk. Hmm. 
That's fascinating. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It is fascinating, but it underlies the the point that I'm always trying to make with people who they don't seem to want to get is that the total number of calories is what matters because calories are energy. We have Albert Einstein to thank for this. E equals mc squared. The energy of an object equals the mass of that object times the square of the speed of light. We can neglect the speed of light because that's a constant unless you're underwater or in outer space. And so energy equals mass. If you consume more energy than you expend, you're going to gain mass. If you expend more energy than you consume, you're going to lose mass. It's really as simple as that. But people want to complicate it with all these fancy schmancy diets. Like the ketogenic diet is very popular right now. And every couple of years, a new diet comes out that becomes popular. But then eventually it recedes into the background because in order to lose weight and keep it off, you have to come up with a strategy that is sustainable for the rest of your life. How are you going to sustain a very low carbohydrate diet for the next 30 years of your life? You would have to be so particular and careful about what every meal is because carbohydrates are everywhere. It's hard to avoid them. And so who wants to spend all this, all this energy on what they're eating for every meal every day? It's going to be a lot of work to be on a ketogenic diet for 40 years. That is true. Is there any type of diet that you recommend? Like what's your – what do you say to people? Um, right. Running is the world's best diet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm going to record, I'm going to keep this recording and I'm just going to play it for my clients. And, you know, I'll give you the residual. We'll get some, we'll make sure that you're compensated for this. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's everything that I've been telling people, you know, it's, it's, you know, quality and, and, and get those calories down and, you know, and really just, and get moving. Just, you have to move. You have to move. You have to find a, a strategy that is sustainable for the rest of your life. And so, yeah, I mean, if you can eat a ketogenic diet for the rest of your life and that helps you, fine. But good luck with that. The reason why running is so effective is because, number one, it burns a ton of calories more than any other exercise, like I said before, with the exception of cross-country skiing. And two, because it's sustainable. People may pick up running to lose weight, but then they don't stop. They become a part of the lifestyle. They become part of the community. And running is a very sustainable strategy. Wherever you are, anywhere in the world, you can step outside the front door of the hotel and go for a run and explore where you are. It's an extremely sustainable strategy, and that's what you need to keep the weight off. Because yeah. once you lose weight, most people gain the weight right back because they can't sustain the strategy that they took to lose the weight in the first place. And three, it's enjoyable. There's there's something good. There, It's fun. It becomes fun. It becomes a habit. So I was, I'm throwing in your three right there after one, two. Oh, something that you're going to want to do for the rest of your life. Awesome. Now, as we, uh, as we start to wrap up today, um, I w- we always ask our guests if there's any piece of information, any tidbit that you really feel very strongly about that you would like to leave our listeners with. Um, what would that be? What is the one thing that you would leave someone with, um, either a passion or a statement um, that you feel very strongly about? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things I could say. I could leave you with a quote from the inner runner that uh, I always use as my inscription when I sign the book for people, that uh, through running we fulfill our destiny as physical beings, and on the foundation of a fitter physical being we can build a better life. Beautiful. That's perfect. I have a question for you, too, quickly. On a personal level, when you come back to New Jersey, what's your favorite run? I love going to Homedale Park. It's the Mecca. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get to Homedale. 
I wish I was as fast now as I was when I was in high school, but I was able to test myself at Home Del Park. I have a I have a run that I I'm, I'm sorry I have a run that I do there that I try and do once a year, and if I do two loops, and I you know I start from the from the starting by the you know by the uh, the starting line there, I go you know and I run the course once and then I jet back to the start from the finish line again, and if I can do that twice and under my age, uh, <laughs> you know I'm 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 get you know I got a pretty good run in. Uh, I'm 42 right now, and I it gets easier. So it's kind of, it's kind of a beautiful run. I, I, when I was you know when I was the 37, 38, 39, I was I was hustling. But it gets significantly easier with that one extra minute each year. So yeah, I knocked it down for 42. I'll uh, I'll turn 43 in March, and I'll have to get after it again. Oh, when's your birthday? Mine's in March too. March 11th. Oh, March 14th. There you go, Pisces. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, by the way, speaking of running, um, for our listeners out there that are local, that are in New Jersey and, you know, in the surrounding areas, um, Dr. Carp is actually coming to the Jersey Shore in April. So for those coaches and everyone in this area um, that's listening, there is a great opportunity to actually get certified in revolution running, which is going to be fantastic to use just for safety, longevity, exercise science behind this, um, for trainers out there. Obviously he's linked up with all of the major, um, fitness companies out there for continuing education. Um, just an amazing day for even just runners, um, people that, you know, maybe are not instructors or coaches, but just want to learn more can come in addition to people that want to get certified and want to use it. So that's something, um, we will put all of that information up on our website, twofitcrazies.com. Um, we'll get that information out. And Dr. Carb, where can we find you? So where can all of our listeners find you? Uh, well, my books are on Amazon, of course, and my website is run-fits.com. And uh, from there, it has links to everything, including the certification program and the coaching. Excellent. Excellent. I got to tell you, this was a blast. It was very informative for me, and it was, uh, it was great to connect with you. Um, you know, we'll, uh, we look forward to having you on again. I think there's, uh, you know, we just scratched the surface with this, uh, with this running and, and, yeah. uh, and being, uh, and I think that, uh, we can do a whole lot more with you and, uh, we look forward to having you on and we thank you very much and we hope that you enjoy that San Diego weather just a little bit for us. Oh, I'll try. When I come to New Jersey, I'll try to bring it with me. Please do. <laughs> Please do at any time. So with that said, um, Dr. Jason Karp, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge of running and health and wellness and mindfulness and all this great information with our listeners. And um, we hope you definitely come back. Keep in touch. I think that we've got a great future, um, Dr. Karp, together and uh, with our podcast. And I think that this is going to be great. So, Brian, we good? We're good. All right, so my name is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazes. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.